Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Don't you just love it when God speaks? Shall we try that one again? Don't you just love it when God speaks? No. Sorry, have I shocked you? I have a slight dilemma this morning. I came prepared to speak on Isaiah 6 and talk about the next bit. And then while we were praising and worshipping this morning, I felt God say, do something different. (laughs) So don't you just love it when God speaks. (laughs) Now, the difficulty is, he's put a passage on my heart, and at this moment in time, I haven't read it, because he just told me where to look. And he said... Okay, I need to explain to you what this is all about. About the five P's. You remember the five P's that we're going to look at this year? Passion, purity, power, prayer and presence. Well, I've done quite well because I've remembered the five P's without looking at my notes. Because, well, they're now useless for this morning. So, um, and he just put on my heart this passage. So I'm going to read it, and let's see where we go from there. So are you ready for the adventure? <sighs> the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Obed. He went out to meet Azar and said to him, Listen to me, Azar, and all Judea and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him. And he was found by them. In those days it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong. And do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Azar heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Obed, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole of the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all of Judah and Benjamin, 
And the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, who'd settled among them, for large numbers had come over from Israel when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Azar's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they'd brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. All who would not seek the Lord God of Israel were put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord with a loud acclamation, with shouting and trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they'd sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Marker, who who from her position as queen mother, because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole, Asa cut the pole down, broke it up, and burnt it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove, sorry, yeah, although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. Uh, 2 Chronicles 15. Father, we just ask you to spank. To, we just ask you to speak to us this morning. We need you, Father, because uh, it's going to be one of those mornings otherwise. So we just ask you to speak to us this morning, that we might hear your word and that it might provoke a change in our lives. Amen. Perhaps Spankus was the right word, who knows? <laughs> it's interesting that just about the time God was putting this on my heart, Morwenna actually brought some of the background, which is what made me think, hmm, perhaps I'd better listen. So, Morwenna gave some of the background. You had David, King David, and then you had Solomon. Solomon, you may remember, finished the temple. And in 2 Chronicles 7, you get to the point where he's dedicating the temple. And he's offering his praises. And then in the quiet of the night, God speaks to him. And there's that famous verse where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and reach down and heal their nation. And so all that's gone on. And then in the space of relatively few years, because of these two sons that he had, you end up with these two kingdoms. The North Kingdom, which retained the title Israel, and the South Kingdom, which became called Judah. They do get reunited again, but that's later on in history. Okay? 
So you've got these two parallel kingdoms. And as you read through Chronicles and Kings, it can sometimes be confusing. Because one moment you're reading about the North Kingdom, and the next moment you're reading about the South Kingdom. But here we are, only a matter of years after Solomon had died, and we have a king. A king over the southern kingdom, over Judah and Benjamin. His name's Asa. And you have to get the impression that he's not been following God. That was quite common. When you read through Chronicles, when you read through Kings, what you'll find is Israel's history in terms of their relationship with God is a bit of a roller coaster ride. One moment they're going for it wholeheartedly, and the next, well, it's a bad king and it's a bad lot, and they turn their eyes away from God and they go in a totally different direction. And so here we read about a time when they were quite away from God. Because it says in verse 4, but in their distress they turned to the Lord. It says just before that, in verse 3, for a long period Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. Can you imagine it? A period in their history where for quite a period they hadn't had the word of God come amongst them. And yet they were meant to be God's people. They hadn't had a priest. They hadn't had a prophet. They hadn't been able to read from God's law. And then suddenly... Right at the beginning of chapter 15, it says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. And he spoke to him. So here, in one of the darker histories of the southern kingdom, in a time when they were troubled, when they were at war, when it says that it wasn't safe to travel around because of the distress and the torment that people were in, God speaks. God speaks. And he says something to Asa via the prophet Azariah. Listen to me. Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. It's quite a message, isn't it? It's one of those messages that you'd love to get when you're feeling close to God. Because it says, if you seek him, he'll be found. On those good days, what a message, huh? Because you're seeking God. And it's a promise that he will be found. But is it the sort of message you want to hear when you're far from God? Because it says, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. It's quite a dire warning. Quite a dire warning for a nation whose individuality is made up by the fact that they are the people of God. 
And here he is saying, if you forsake me, I will forsake you. And then the message individually for Asa. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. So it's an encouragement personally for him. A warning for the nation and a promise. As for you, be strong. Do not give up for your work will be rewarded. And it says, as he heard those words, Azariah, son of Obed the prophet, took courage. He took courage. He heard those words, they spoke into his heart, and they brought about a change in him. He took courage. And when you look at what he went on to do, I reckon he needed some courage. Because the transformation that he brought about in that nation was not a simple one. It was radical. It's what if happened today, we call revival. Because it turned a godless people into a God-fearing nation. It says, when he heard those words, he removed the detestable idols from the whole of the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns they'd captured. This was the city of God. This was the nation of God, the people of God. And yet they'd become absorbed with idols and with idol worship. They'd erected Asherah poles. In fact, even the queen's mother had been involved in that. So this nation, this supposedly proud nation of God, had been reduced to idol worship. But he took courage and he removed the idols from the whole of the land. He repaired the altar. It had obviously been neglected. But he went and he repaired it and we see that he put it back into use. And then he pulled together all the people of Judah and Benjamin. And those that had joined them. Because it tells us that people from Ephraim, from Manasseh and from Simeon had settled amongst them in large numbers because they'd seen that God was with him. That's quite a testimony. This was such a profound change in this king's life that people who were living in the northern kingdom of the tribes of Manasseh and Simeon saw the change and said, God's with him. We want to go and live over there. Because if God's over there, we'll see God's blessing on these people. He pulled them together and they had a huge worship time. So huge that during it they sacrificed 700 cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats. That is some party. Not being funny. Can you imagine the logistics of getting 7,000 sheep into a temple to kill them? 
I mean, we're talking about some party here. This was a worship time. There was a sacrifice of a scale that we don't often see. This wasn't a 20 minute time on a Sunday morning. This must have gone on for hours, if not days. 700 cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats were sacrificed on the altar. And then they came before God and they made a promise. They made a promise to seek him. To seek the God of their fathers with all their heart and their soul. Now it's interesting, that's an echo back to those early commandments where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. But the most radical bit, all who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death. That's what it says in mine. Is that what it says in yours? They were put to death. They removed every obstacle from their nation that was going to stop them following the true God. They removed all the idols. They cut down the Asherah poles. They did everything they could. And when they saw that even then some people were not worshipping God... They slaughtered them. We're not told how many. We don't know whether it was one or a thousand. But they killed everyone who would not seek the Lord. And then they carried on and they they took an oath. They made a promise and it says they did it with a loud acclamation. Shouting and with trumpets and horns. And all of Judah rejoiced about the oath because they'd sworn it wholeheartedly. I'll tell you what, if it was that or death, I think I'd swear it quite wholeheartedly. What a motivation to see a purge of that kind going on. A people who would not tolerate anything that was wrong. But they were wholehearted. They were united They came together and they swore that oath. And they were pleased to do it. They were shouting. They were blowing trumpets. They were sounding horns. And they sought God eagerly. They sought God eagerly. What do you think that means? I remember once being eager. This is just what I've probably been eager at other times. It's just one that happens to spring to mind. I was somewhat younger. I was probably about 12. And uh, a record had been released. And I wanted a copy of it. I could tell you what it was, but you'd laugh. It was by Benny Hill. It was, yeah, you could hear the offbeats pound as they raced across the ground. 
and the clatter of the wheels as they spun round and round and he galloped into Market Street his badge upon his chest his name was Ernie and he drove the fastest milk cart in the west now Ernie loved a widow now I could go on um, I was eager for that record I was and I remember my brother-in-law my sister's a little older than me and my brother-in-law said he'd walk down to the shops with me so that I could get it yeah he couldn't keep up with me <laughs> I, I mean he was he still is actually he hasn't shrunk has he but you know he's up here compared with me and yet he said to me slow down you know he couldn't keep up I was eager I can still remember every word you know um, but I was eager how do you think their eagerness showed? I can remember another time when people were eager. Back in the mid-90s, there was a, an unprecedented time when the Holy Spirit was coming upon churches. And you know, when you have an evening meeting that starts at 7 and you have to help people out to their cars at 10 o'clock at night because you really feel they ought to go home but they just don't want to leave the building you, you sense an eagerness people wanted to linger where they felt God's presence was I could talk about a couple of legless people at North last year I'm not sure whether that was eagerness or incapacity, but it was certainly one or the other. But it says, they were eager. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? You're eager, you're expectant. And then you find him. It doesn't tell us what it was they found, except it was God. It doesn't tell us how that was manifested or how they experienced it, like it does when we look at Isaiah 6. But it says, they found God. You know, there's nothing we could desire more than to find God. When we come together on Sunday mornings, there is nothing we should desire more than to find God. And there's that promise, and that promise is available to us today. If you seek him, he will be found. There's loads of times that this book is full of testimonies of people that have sought him and been found sometimes they find him in ways they expect sometimes they find him in ways they don't expect people have wrestled with him people have almost come across him by accident you have Moses who was desperate to look upon God's glory and because of the danger had to be hidden in a, in a crack in the rock to keep him safe. But time after time, people who eagerly seek God 
find him. As if the slaughter of those who weren't wholehearted wasn't enough, the king even addresses things in his own family. He deposed his grandmother because of what she'd done. She'd obviously played a part. It says she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Doesn't even just call it a pole. It says it's a repulsive one. I don't know what it was like. But it was obviously something that he just found totally repugnant. And so he deposed her because of her part in pulling that kingdom into sin. He broke it up and he burnt it. And then he took back into the temple all the gold and the silver that his father had dedicated to the temple. And he reaped a great reward. He reaped a great reward. Going back to that bit I mentioned that when Solomon dedicated the temple and heard that promise from God, if my people... Here we hear of God doing exactly that. These people have been seeking him. They've been humbling themselves. They've been praying and seeking his face. And God does what he promised a few chapters earlier. Because it says, there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. God healed their land. He brought peace amongst them and amongst those who lived around them. So there was great fruit from what they did. Now the hard bit. How do we apply this to our situation and what we've been looking at in Isaiah? Isaiah saw the Lord and he was changed the reason we're looking at those is because we're looking at five P's and at the moment we're looking at passion and what happened in Isaiah's heart and the passion that he got through that encounter with God and I think there's a lesson here for us this is an example of revival in the Old Testament But that promise in in 2 Chronicles 7 is available to us. The promise here in 2 Chronicles 15 is available to us. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from any wicked ways, then he will heal our land. Here, if you seek him, he will be found. I just want to ask some simple questions this morning are we seeking God are we seeking God when you go out of here this morning in the busyness of the rest of the week are we seeking God when we come together in small groups are we earnestly seeking God 
think we are. But let's be wholehearted. There's no need to go out and slaughter people, but let's be wholehearted. Let's not be put off from what God's put on our hearts of seeking him. If there's idols in your life, if there are things that are detestable to God, then we need to be ruthless. We need to deal with them. He went through the whole nation. He cut and burnt. And we need to do the same. If you know there are things in your life, ask someone to pray with you, but then go and deal with it. Are you able to enter into a covenant with God this morning? Could you be part of that throng, shouting acclamation, praising God with trumpets and with horns? Could you be wholehearted like they were as they swore that oath? And when God was found, would you be eager? Or would you be daunted? Or scared? Would you be running into his presence or cowering in the shadows? You know, if we take this seriously, God can not only change hearts, he can change nations. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk 